Hello, all you higher ed professionals. My name is Alexis Finnamore, and today we are discussing leading teams. I have the honor of serving in the realm of higher education as the Director of Undergraduate Admissions at Johnson University, Florida. As we serve in leadership positions, depending on our worldview, we can interpret leadership differently. In doing so, we also interpret how we should lead others differently. Today, I had the opportunity to speak with a couple of my employees, and this was so awesome. I literally was in my office at my desk, orientation weekend, reading the nine lies about work. My employees walked into my office and asked what was I reading, and I told them, and they're like, nine lies? (laughs) So, of course, they wanted to know what was inside, and we literally just started to have some authentic conversations about the nine lies about work. I got some of their insight on these lies, and um, it really altered my perspective on not only these nine lies, but how I plan to lead my team moving forward. To be quite frank, it was the perfect um, support to everything that I've learned throughout this course, and I feel so excited to be able to share that with you today. So as I embarked on this journey with leading teams in our textbook with Goodall and Birkingham about the nine lies about work, we come to lie number one, which is people care which company they work for. And as I was reading this chapter, it was interesting, it resonated so much with me. I literally thought back to the time that I worked in the wedding industry and I left higher ed, went to the wedding industry and was not happy. I thought I was leaving to go work for a more maybe prestigious company, maybe more trendy company, and I did. However, once I got there, the culture was just not what I thought it was going to be, and that totally turned me off from wanting to work at this company. So I actually returned to the university that I was working for, and literally I felt like I was at home. See, the thing is, people don't really care which company they work for. They care about the culture. They care about those core values that have been embedded in almost the DNA of whatever industry they're working in and company that they're working for. I was so happy to see that it is a lie that people care about which company they work for because it's so much deeper than that. Now I'm going to share some conversation with you about people care about which company they work for that I had with two of my employees, one an office manager and the other one a counselor for admissions. Okay, so this one is people care which company they work for. Oh, mm. People care which company they work for. Because think about this. How many times do you hear people like, oh, yeah, I want to work for Apple. Like, that's my dream job. Right? Yeah. Or I want to work for, what was that place? What was that place? That the car place. Who? Oh, Tesla? Or oh, Mercedes? Mercedes? Oh, yeah. Mercedes? What was another one? It was Lexus or something like that. Somebody was talking about, oh, I'm going to get... BMW. BMW. BMW or Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And they were like, man, they pay good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes people, like, go after names. Mm-hmm. Why do they go after names? Because there is something about the name. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because of the perception that they have about mm-hmm. the company. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and what the name carries. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so if I work for this company, then I'm prestigious because the company is prestigious. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more That's about... Like, kind of like not everyone will be able to get a job here. And I did. Mm-hmm. So kind of right. like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That one didn't shock me as much. Really? That it's a lie? Remember, this is yeah. a lie. Lie that they... That is not... People that don't care, care about the that. company that they work for. Oh. Yeah. It's a lie. Yeah. It's oh, more okay. so the culture... Yes. ...that's been created mm-hmm. in that place. To make you think that... Like, for example, if you work for... It's almost like an ex- exclusivity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like exclusive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you work for, like, let's say, Mercedes... Yeah. I mean, when you think about Mercedes, people people are intrigued mm-hmm. when they hear Mercedes. Oh, you work for Mercedes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or you work for Lexus, mm-hmm. or you work for Apple. Mm-hmm. Let's say, mm-hmm. oh, I work for Facebook. People are like, oh, you must be important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and a lot of people it's are true. Like, okay, you could be the janitor, but if you say you work for Mercedes, yes. Mm-hmm. Just because you said Mercedes, they assume they assume mm-hmm. that you yeah. have a high position. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, it's the same thing with like, like restaurants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's a difference when a like a, a waiter says, "Oh, I work at Chili's," right. or "Oh, I work at Cheesecake Factory," mm-hmm. something like that. Like, oh, wow! You're <laughs> what is that? What is that restaurant that is at the at the Universal? That he's a really famous chocolate uh, factory. No, no, it's at the Universal um, Walk, Walk, Boardwalk, Emerald, Emerald. Oh something. yes, there's a yeah, there's an Emerald. Restaurant. Yeah, there's an Emerald restaurant over there. Yeah. I've never been to that restaurant, and but there, there is one. I've seen them on TV, but it's like mm-hmm. I'm sure that if you say, "Oh, look at the Emerald restaurant," people are like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. how is he? Have you met?" <laughs> Have you met him? Does he ever pop in? Yeah, does he ever pop in? Can you give me a backstage pass? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that one's a lie. Mm-hmm. People don't care what, what companies they work for. It's the first, it's the, it's what's attached to It's whatever's attached to it. Yeah. But there's so many things attached to that. Like, even if you think about, I mean, like you just said, restaurants. Yeah. It's different when someone says, oh, I work for McDonald's versus I work for Chick-fil-A. You know, yeah. instantly in your head, when you hear Chick-fil-A, even though it's fast food, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, Chick-fil-A is amazing. Yeah, but the culture there is completely different. Yes, exactly. The culture is completely different. The culture is different. Even their language is different. Mm-hmm. How they speak to you is different. Mm-hmm. They're all, their doors are closed on Sunday yeah. because of their core values. Mm-hmm. And usually the people who work there have the same core values, mm-hmm. so they appreciate that, which is why they choose to go there. Yeah. It's the culture. They, you think it's the name, but it's what the company has built around that. Mm-hmm. You know? Interesting stuff. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I've learned a lot. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. It's cool. It is cool. Yeah. I was like, yo, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I really do like to do my homework now, though. <laughs> we have lie number two. The best plan wins which sounds accurate um but then you have to think about what does that mean what does best mean you know you hear that and initially you think to yourself 
best it's the ultimate plan and usually if it's the plan coming from the leader it's probably the plan that's going to work out the best but that's not true it's just not true especially in higher education like I can speak from perspective of myself in admissions where enrollment is always moving it's always moving and because of that all of our data everything that we put together for our plans is moving it's active it's alive and nothing static it's it's literally constantly going and because of that when I put plans in motion for my team I have to constantly update the plan literally it's I want to say weekly but that would be such a a safe response because daily I'm daily doing things with my team because if I don't then the information, the data that I'm giving them, the plan that I'm giving them is irrelevant to their day-to-day work. They're constantly trying to recruit, right? And because they're constantly trying to recruit, they have to have the most updated plan always, always. So I can spend time over the next six months creating this elaborate plan, right? That I want my team to implement so that we can be successful and all those things. However, by the time I present it to my team, it's outdated. It's literally outdated because it's constantly moving. So the best plan and you think best and you think it's the plan that you've invested the much the most time in to make it seem um, perfect almost is going to be the best plan and that's just not true. The best plan is the most updated, easily accessible, easy to understand. That's the best plan for your team and for my team I know for sure in order for us to be successful. And then we come to line number three, the best companies cascade goals. Interesting. I mean, because you hear goals and you're literally saying to yourself, Um, yes, every company should have goals and everyone in the company should understand those goals. It should come from the top all the way to the bottom. But what I learned while I was reading this is that, of course, it's not about the goals being cascaded. It's more so the meaning, you know, those core values, the rituals, the stories. And as I reflect on just working in higher ed, that's why I returned to higher ed. I returned to higher ed because of the meaning behind everything that we do. Um, It's not just about we need to reach this enrollment goal, but it's we're doing this to extend God's kingdom. And there's such a deeper conviction then there. And your work ethic behind all of that helps you to accomplish those goals. Um, So this one for me um, was definitely something that I I can even attest to. And it's a main reason of why I returned to working in higher education as a whole. Lie number four, the best people are well-rounded. And eh, wrong. <laughs> so glad this is wrong. I used to always think I needed to be a jack of all trades. Absolutely incorrect. Thank God. Because we we think people need to be well-rounded and have all of these skill sets and it's just not true how can you do that you're one person um 
And so reading through the chapter, I just realized that people, the best people are not well-rounded. It's those people who have been able to understand who they are, right, internally, and be able to own their leadership role and what they're doing. They know their strengths and they maximize their potential when they have that knowledge. It's not about having all these skills. It's about mastering the few that you have and then learning some other things that you are then able to do. It becomes an ability to do those things and then you're successful at it. So this one was great. Um, because it helped me to see that I don't have to be this person that is well-rounded. Instead, Alexis, you're awesome with just your two things <laughs> or your three things. And even though your job description says all, like has bullet points of things that you should be able to do. I get that. I do. However, I may not have all of those skills and I'm still able to lead effectively because I know what my strengths are. And then we come to number five, lie number five, that people need feedback. And this one was so hard for me because in my brain, I have always been this kind of person where I have to tell them how they're doing and where the error is so that they can get better. Because if I don't, who will? And then they will never get better. And then it's my fault. Literally, this is a conversation that I've had in my head for years. And literally after I read this lie that people need feedback, you know, they don't need feedback. I mean, they do need feedback, but they don't necessarily always need the negative feedback, right? They, if you focus so much on the negative, I mean, scientifically, mentally, it literally paralyzes a person where they almost feel like they can't do right. They can't do the right thing. And so, yes, people need feedback, but you have to be able to take the time to focus on what people are doing right other than always just kind of harping on what they're doing wrong. And when you focus on their strengths when giving feedback, this helps to propel them to continue to do well in what they're doing instead of crippling them by pointing out their errors and where they're doing wrong. So, wow. People don't necessarily need negative feedback, but that positive feedback and focusing on strengths is definitely a huge help. Lie number six, that people can reliably rate other people. Now this one, interesting. I, you know, I felt this way already, you know, that this was a lie. People can't, they cannot reliably rate other people. Why? Because they end up actually kind of rating themselves. Um, they don't want to rate people in a specific way way, um, depending who they are too. What's the hierarchy inside of the company organization that they work for? It's, it's, it just, it can't be consistent. You can ask the CEO what they think of the janitor and then ask the janitor's colleague what they think of the same janitor and you're going to get a different result, right? So it's difficult because people, you can't measure it. You, people can't reliably rate other people. They end up looking kind of internally. If I looked at my previous boss, right? Um, and that even now thinking about it, reflecting on it, there's so many things that I would have said about my previous boss. 
of like how she could improve, how she could do this better and this better and this better. But really what I saw were things that, I mean, I could probably do better if I was in that situation, um, but not not knowing everything that her position encompassed. And so therefore, even me rating her is not accurate because my perspective is skewed. It's not, I can't use it in order to to rate this person um, reliably. So this one was definitely an interesting one that I kind of already felt like was a lie, but it definitely helped me to continue to just like put things into perspective. All right, lie number seven, that people have potential. Now, I actually did talk about this one with my employees as well. However, I wasn't recording, and it's okay. <laughs> but this one was super interesting, and they were shocked when I told them what I discovered in our text about lie number seven, that people have potential. And they literally sat there, and they said, well, people do have potential. They do. We like to think. And I said, well, why? And then they say to me, well, because we like to think that people can do you know, anything. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's great. However, they were like, well, why is it a lie? And I said, because what happens is when you're in a specific industry, people separate you into groups, right? And so this is when I explained Lopo and Hypo. And I said, you know, you could be working in higher ed, right? And to your colleagues, to your boss, you could appear as being lazy. You could appear like, oh my gosh, this person's never on time. And you could appear as you're just nonchalant and you don't care. And so automatically you put them in this category of, ugh, they do not have potential, impossible. They won't be able to accomplish it. It won't happen because I've seen them in this element on a day-to-day -day basis. And the issue with that, as we know in our text, is that we then say, this person just cannot perform highly. So therefore, if this employee was fired, they asked me or let go or they left and they asked for a letter of recommendation, what would my initial response? Absolutely not. I'm not recommending you because you're going to go to someone else's job and not do well. But that's not right because this individual may just not excel in this industry because of their skill set, meaning they could go somewhere else and do excellent. So I gave my employees the example of when I worked in the wedding industry and my boss would have definitely considered me Lopo. I was not producing the amount of leads that she wanted. I wasn't communicating with people as quickly or effectively as she thought that I should be and she was not satisfied with my work but then I come to higher ed and I'm actually considered hypo in this industry because my skill set my knowledge my capacity to thrive in this industry and in this position allows me to be um categorized as hypo but then what's wrong with that is then usually that person they they receive more leniency when something doesn't go right. And that's not always fair to someone else who may have been labeled low poet, makes the same mistake, but labeled low poet in that same industry. So this one was a fun one to talk about with my employees. I'm so sad it wasn't recorded. However, it was super interesting and definitely learned a lot from this. But they're like, it's almost like, like, on purpose they're exclusive mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and they're like 
but you know I know so many people that believe that that stuff mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. constantly repeat it to you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're like you know you hear it so much that hey it just becomes mm -hmm. a regular part of you and then you repeat it to others and right. then others repeat it and then and you're just it's embedded in everything right and people are unhappy. Yes. Like, I can never achieve that. But that's why I love this. Because I was like, nine lies about work. When I first read it, I was like, nine lies about work. But then as I'm reading through it, I'm like, these are things that I've been taught my yes. whole life. That that's important. Hurt. And I've literally just repeated them. Yes. And it's so liberating that these are lies and I don't have to live up to this stuff. Mm -hmm. The same thing goes for scripture. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's true. Oh my God, that's a whole nother topic. It is a whole nother topic. But it's true. But isn't it liberating when you're confronted with the truth and that truth sets you free? Yes. That's how I felt in this course. I literally was telling my classmates, I'm like, this has been liberating. Yeah. Especially becoming a mom too and getting married. Like you do think you have to have yes. that work-life balance. Yes. Like my baby needs me, my husband needs me, but I'm, I have a demanding job. This place needs me mm -hmm. too. And then it was like, but you don't have to split 50-50. No. You be Alexis 100% when you're here for your 30-70%, yeah. but then you be Alexis 100% when you're there for your 20-50%, mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. that looks like. Yeah. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have to stress myself out, you yeah. know? It can be so hard. You know hard. how many people live stressed lives like that? <coughs> because that's yeah. what they believe. That's what they've been taught. Right. And that is the perfect. That is the perfect life. Right. It's right. not the perfect balance between work and home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people because teach you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, that's what they teach upcoming professionals. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. You want to be a successful professional? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to, you need to get that balance. Things. You have to get that balance. And then when people don't get that balance, they're like, well, then this is not for me. Mm -hmm. Right. They're like, I need to people do something else. Up, people give up in their dreams. Yeah. People give up in their professions. Yeah. People give up on family. Yeah. Well, family is not for me. Right. Well, I'm not having any kids. Because, because I feel like I can't, I can't do it. Balance. I can't do it. I choose my profession over family mm -hmm. because I will not be able to mm -hmm. balance both. Mm -hmm. And people give up on their dreams and they give up on happiness and they give up on so many experiences because mm -hmm. of that belief. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth. Right? Thank you for the truth. So good. Mm -hmm. So good. There is so much truth out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Just if you can just tap into it and allow yourself to and then we get to lie number nine that leadership is a thing. Wow. This one right here, man, this one got me. This one got me because we always think leadership is a thing. I guess I can't categorize and say we all think this. We don't all. But it's so easy to think that leadership is a thing and that some people are just great leaders. But the issue with that is that we then think that the leader of whatever industry and in whatever position that this person must be, something that we've already established is a lie, well-rounded, and that's just not true. And because of that, we then allow these people to kind of be on a pedestal in our mind. Like, they're a leader. I'll never be able to be that because they appear to be perfect. But then we see in our text that leaders are not perfect, actually. They're not. And actually, if we think about all the people that we consider are great leaders, they each 
are extremists in their own way. There's something. They have a strength, an ability, something very specific. And because of that, that's what makes them a great leader. And what we come to find is that leaders are not leaders without having followers. So even if someone considers themselves a leader, if they don't have anyone following them, they're not really a leader. And that that was very interesting to me because I've never thought of it like that. I mean, yes, I know leaders have followers, but if you have no followers, I've never think thought in my head, then you must not really be a leader, you know? And so this one was, this, this lie was very interesting. And and liberating as well because then it allows me to see that hey even myself in my leadership position I don't have to be perfect I don't have to be well-rounded I don't have to have all of these skills because I'm not a superhuman I'm one person I can excel with just the things that I've mastered and that I'm great at and I'm able to effectively lead my team in that way and they're following me because of those things they're following me because of those things. Wow. Wow. My goodness. So, so good. And so as I walk through these lies, you know, and what I've learned in this course and the authentic conversations that I had with my employees, I was able to reflect and also assess that, man, all of the lies addressed in our texts my team thought that they were true and I had to capture this this is not even what I had planned to do for my final project but literally in that moment it was a revelation for me because I realized in that moment that even my team was trying to live up to this expectation that society has placed on us that are all lies or at least half lies and we just don't understand the complete truth of it and to be able to sit with them to see their eyes literally light up the freedom the chains that were broken once they realize oh my goodness that is very interesting that's not true that is not true. I don't have to do that. It helped me to gain more insight on how my team is processing how they should even lead in their own respective roles. And as a leader, this has allowed me to continuously pour into my team and let them know that they are human and let them know that they are heard and that they're not perfect and that's okay and neither am I. And as we wrap up, what I liked most about this course and also our text by Buckingham and Goodall is that there was so much freedom. This course, more than I could have ever imagined, has helped to refine my thoughts on leadership and also about leading other people. It has literally transformed my thinking 
and moving forward in the future, I plan to be the most authentic leader that I can possibly be and always leading my team in that way and helping them to be authentic in their individual ways as well. Because you know, although I'm leading them, one day they'll lead others too. And they have student workers that work for them as well. And I want them to have that same freedom to be able to lead people effectively. Thank you so much. This course has been amazing. Thank you.